Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from Key Largo. Let me stop that little background music that's playing. How are you today? If you noticed, I've been releasing less episodes and there's going to be slight change. I'm trying to tighten it up. I have a mentor now I'm working with, trying to make a more cohesive program. You be the judge. Okay. Now, if you're new to the Keys Bartender, we talk about Keys Life, bartending, and bar talk. All sorts of stuff. You know, which is ever-changing here. And um, today we're going to be talking about shaking versus stirring. That's cocktails. Not a visual clue like that. And also, the possession or lack of accolades and certifications and, you know, things that you, and awards. I said awards twice, didn't I? Well, what it means to people and how important they are. And in the end, I'll tell you my take, since we're talking about shaking and stirring, on how I prepare a martini. And um, it may be surprising to bartenders. You know, because I don't always follow the rules. Some people who are bartenders are listen to it say, Hey, Jim, I heard you talk about this particular, a margarita, this, that, and this isn't my take. And I say, you know what? You can watch 20 major league pitchers throw a fastball. And you know what you're going to say? You're going to see 20 different ways of throwing a fastball. Okay, so... Varieties of Spice of Life, that's what I say. And as I said earlier, we had a very busy weekend. We had the Key Largo Bridge run here. Uh, going over Jewfish Creek Bridge. Yes, not that's the name of the bridge. It's Jewfish Creek there. And it's at the gateway to the Keys. And they had a, a run there with people from the Keys and out of the Keys. And they had one of the events on the welcoming event, the uh, I don't know what you want to call it, at the catch. And we had a nice turnout there. And we also had an entertainer on Friday. And we had to open our satellite tiki bar in the back to accommodate the overflow. We got a big crowd. Normally, we have our musicians play indoor. But Adam Music, it's an excellent musician, he, he likes playing outside. And the guests like being outside, too, because we have a nice little patio garden set up where he likes to play. So, why don't we just jump right into it about shaking and stirring. The, if you watch James Bond or you're a fan of James Bond, you'll hear the iconic line when he's given a direction for his order for a martini. It's shaken, not stirred. Okay, and people just say, why is that essential? He said, well, first of all, a classic martini, and this is pretty much understood, is stirred. And that's that long spoon, and it has a, it's kind of twisted, the handle. It's about 12 inches long, and you put it in a, a mixing tin, or, and you you stir that martini or a glass, you turn it, and you, when you have ice in it, obviously after you combine all the ingredients, and you stir it, not vigorously. It's not like you're uh, whisking eggs 
or anything like that. What you're doing is you're gently stirring it, making a mix. And what you're trying to create is more when liquor isn't 100% water. So when it gets cooled down, it gets more viscous. It flows slower. It's more velvety. So that's what they're trying to do, combine the ingredients, you know, the splash of vermouth and gin. Nowadays, mostly vodka. And then you strain it into a martini glass. Now, James Bond would pointedly say, I want to shake it. And when you shake a martini or you shake anything, it kind of, it changes the aspect or the characteristic of it. It creates air bubbles in it. It aerates the liquor. It does a lot of things to the character of a martini um, that st- you have when it was just stirred only. Nowadays, people don't even mention it. But if you come, if you go to a martini bar, you see most of them would be stirring that in a mixing cup, a mixing glass, and then taking it out, putting it in a tin, and decanting it into a martini glass. But shaking and stirring, when you think about it, that's the stirring is mainly for things like that. Maybe even you can do that with a Manhattan. You could do that with uh, other drinks, like a Negroni. And that's the stirring. Now, for shaking, there's a whole lot of drinks out there to get shaken. You have a margarita. You have a daiquiri. You have mules. And this rule of thumb, when you're shaking anything that gets a carbonated soda in it, so almost all sodas, you put that soda in last. It has a, a mojito. It gets a splash of club soda on top. But So you shake it prior, after you have all the ingredients in it. And I did talk about the mojito before. But that shaking is important into combining the ingredients. But you don't want to shake, obviously, carbonation because it releases it. Unless it's for taste, meaning I say for taste. If someone requests a drink to be shaken... It could be for the reason they don't want carbonation in their drink. Is they like to have a flat rum and coke. I've never heard of a shaken rum and coke. But I imagine if I wasn't a fan of CO2, if you wanted to release it, and you just wanted to taste of flat um, soda, and flat soda may be sounding like it's, unappetizing for some people that could be delicious they've the coke is a flavor with the rum and it's all a matter of taste but with martinis is so interesting with the preparation with it we always see the vermouth i i mentioned in many previous podcasts that vermouth i've never had one sent back for having too little vermouth in there. When someone says, I like vermouth, I know to add it. When I, I, uh, most times I haven't even added it. No one has even said that anything. People always say, I want the, just a hint of vermouth. They don't want a hint of vermouth. They don't want to taste any of it. 
And most of them don't even notice if it's shaking. Now, they want, some people want ice chips in their martinis. If they want ice chips, they want it shaking hard. And it kind of dilutes it too. But they're like a really cold. It, it, shaking a, any drink will chill it faster than stirring it. It will also dilute it more. And you'll get more of a, a cloudier aspect to it if it's uh, a Manhattan, let's say. When you're stirring something, it would come out more clear, crystal clear. So it's important to keep that in mind. I don't order those drinks myself. When I, when I used to drink uh, Gimlet's, which is similar to a martini, I was always the adherent. I enjoyed the shaking part. I liked the little crystal. And then you also have the people, if someone asks for dirty ice on the side, a lot of times they're going to add it to their martini as it goes along. They don't mind. They normally don't mind if it's shaken too. Now, the more I would probably be reluctant to shake any martini if I worked in a place that was a premium setting where you're paying top dollar for it. Like for a very, very high-end vodka or gin I would have a tendency to think that they're going to stir it first. So, and, and, and I am cognizant, and I am cognizant once again, that among all the vocations out there, bartenders are the hardest to be able to tell anything to. Either, that could either be from bartender to bartender or from person at the bar. I never really understood it if... Some patron asked me for something the way they wanted it. I'd give it to them. Whether if they wanted a 50-year-old Macallan on, on the rocks with a splash of diet soda, I would, I would may in my head, I may think, that's, that, are you sure they said that? I would I'd double check. You sure they said ice? Because you're talking about maybe a $50, $60, $70 drink there. But if someone asks for it, you make it for them. I get a lot of Johnny Walker Blacks with, with diet or regular Coke. I just don't get it. But that's what the custom order, and I'm going to give it to them. I know, I've known chefs that put food out, and there's bartenders too. They are very proud of the product they put out, and they won't. Uh, well, actually, I had I I had a chef one time when he was uh, he saw me hand the food to someone, and the person grabbed the ketchup, and they had a special preparation for potatoes. It was a Parmesan garlic roasted potato with truffle oil, and the person grabbed the ketchup, and the chef yelled, yelled, don't put ketchup on that. And I said, I went over to the chef and I said, oh, is it going to taste? Is it going to do something to the taste that, you know, we won't react right to it? He says, yeah, it's not right. <laughs> and I go, okay, okay. I didn't expect to hear that. But... I'll tell them that the, the chef suggests that. But after that, I told the chef, if someone wants to put a ketchup 
on their Kobe Flamignon. They could put ketchup on their Kobe Flamignon, whether you we think it's right or not. Okay, I'm going to take a little moment here to uh, play a word from our sponsor. We'll be right back from our sponsor. It'll be me reading about the sponsor. I'll be back in a moment. Hi, let me tell you about our sponsors. Key Largo Chocolates, operated by the Peterson family, Rich and Brana. Key Largo Chocolates is a favorite destination for locals and vacationers here in the Upper Keys. You'll find an assortment of handcrafted treats, such as chocolates, truffles, fudge, cookies, the world-renowned Key Lime Pie, the Frozen Key Lime Pie Bar, and also 36 flavors of small batch ice creams and sorbets. So, if you're in the area, it's a great place to visit after dinner or before dinner. If you're going to skip it, you might as well eat some nice treats and or ice cream or whatever you like. They have locations here in Key Largo and also Almerada. And their website, if you like to order any of their items, their delicious items, is www.keylargochocolates.com. Dot com. And if you do stop by there, please tell them that the Keys bartender sent you. Thank you very much, and thank you, the Petersons, for sponsoring the show. Okay, we're back. Now, I did mention in the preface to the show, or I guess it's after we got into the show, that we're going to be talking about awards, certifications, and things like that. Well, recently they had awards given out uh, for one of these local magazines here in the Upper Keys. And it's just one of these things. They put you in, you get nominated for it, you got winners and losers. Now, it's very important to put it in perspective. And I'm going to put it in perspective by comparing these. I'm going to give you a list of movies. Rebel Without a Cause, that's the James... Dean Opus. It's like, it's an iconic film. King Kong, the 1933 with Faye Ray, uh, which made, the, the it was the granddaddy of all those monster movies that came afterwards. Rear Window, Alfred Hitchcock. I think there was Grace Kelly and Jimmy Stewart. It's a Wonderful Life. To this day, to this day, it may be the worst, the most watched film and it plays uh, every Christmas Eve on one of the major uh, networks. Psycho, Anthony Hopkins, another Alfred Hitchcock movie. And Reservoir Dogs, that's Quentin Tarantino, Shawshank Redemption. All those movies I mentioned, they did not receive any Academy Awards. Any Academy Awards. And these movies are like classics. They're on the list of the best movies ever made. The English movies ever made, I'd say. Movies made in English, I guess. Now, here's another list. Harry and the Hendersons. A movie about Bigfoot living with, you know, living with the family of regular humans. Um, The Grinch That Stole Christmas. Jim Carrey movie. Arguably... I can't, I mean, I apologize. I find it unwatchable. 
The Wolfman with Benicio Del Toro and his amazing accent did not translate well in the 2010 recreation. And The Great Gatsby, F. Scott Fitzgerald novel, a great American novel, rendered horribly. I think it was Martin Scorsese, but Leonardo DiCaprio. And it's just so, they try to be creative with it and all this. And they all won Academy Awards. Now, not necessarily Best Picture Academy Awards, but they won Academy Awards. They won Notary. They, those awards did not make those films more palatable. They didn't. And the lack of awards about the first list I gave you doesn't make those movie le- movies less memorable or iconic. So think about it. Put it in life. You see people, we all know doctors who, when you walk into their offices, they got degrees and awards and all that stuff up, and but they can't figure out how to find out what's wrong with you. Lots of people have accolades, and there's a lot of people that are unsung heroes. They're doing their jobs and stuff. So it's really kind of difficult, I guess, when you're in the presence working with someone and they get the recognition, they get the employee of the month, they get this, they get that, and here you are toiling away. And you're thinking, where's my recognition? Where's my self-worth? Where can I put my awards up to show everyone how special I am? It, it, it's just from your work that does it. Your people, there, a lot of people say there are no legacies in the end. Everything does eventually disappear. Right? So... You can say it's ephemeral. Even even someday, the Great Pyramids will disappear. And, you know, some of those items, some of these uh, Stonehenge. Here's Stonehenge. Do we know who made Stonehenge? Nope. Just sits there and they say, oh, this is a landmark. And say, who built it? No, I have no idea who built it or why they built it. The only thing we can do is do our job just as well as we can. And it's it's the way we do our job, the way it's recognized by the people you're doing the job for or delivering the service for or the work that you're creating. It's to be consumed. It's when you're making that meal for your family. You could be a cook at a restaurant. You could be making eggs at home. Do you need an award? Does an award make that any better? And it doesn't make the thing you did, you thought you did with par excellence, any less quality? I say no. So when recognition, awards, and notoriety are not a guarantor of greatness... The only thing that's a guarantor of greatness is greatness itself. So if you're waiting for that thing, just keep on doing it. I know it's 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 it may seem like, oh, 
just galls me sometimes when I see someone get get attention or when you know how many uh, people you know in high school when the most likely for this not get the most likely when the valedictorian did not end up to do something great there's a lot of people that are set up when you when you're given something as that like Bill Cosby was given an honorary degree by one of the schools I went to uh, Temple University an honorary doctorate and then he goes on years later to be arrested for sexual assault you know from the top Harvey Weinstein I was watching a a, a brief story about how he he behaved in his years in there and you think about all the movies he did how how many accolades he got how many how many movies received academy awards and oscars that he made and he's in prison now i picked two people with sexual for sexual assault but there's all sorts of things that you know how, oh how the mighty have fallen and oh, how we don't recognize the unsung heroes. I mean, just that, uh, was it yesterday was, the, today Sunday, two days ago was Veterans Day. And there's only a few people around today that have the congressional, the highest award that you receive, the Congressional Medal of Honor. And I have to say, if you receive most people that receive the Congressional Medal of Honor, it's it's heavily researched, and there's got to be like backup reports and things like that. And those recipients are worthy worthy recipients. But during the civil, the American Civil War, they handle they handed out the Congressional Medal of Honor like it was candy. They did it with a lot of political decisions. And a lot of people that deserved it during the Civil War, were worthy of that award, did not receive it. But that does not negate the things they did. So, just remember that. Okay, let's move on. And I want to talk about, before I do it, it's going to be sacrilegious. And I'm going to have to say, every time, almost every time, 99.5% of the time, I do this for my martini. And that when I say my martini, it's the martinis that I serve. I never drank martinis when I was drinking. So, but the way I make it, it's almost always vodka, unless someone asks for it. Gin, which is the classic martini. And I take the glass that I'm going to serve it in, the martini glass. And we're, I'm going to do a show eventually in the next week or two concerning proper glassware. But I take that glass, I put ice in it, and then I top the glass to, you know, right below the edge with club soda to chill it down. And make sure that the glass is clean. Very important. That's the aesthetics too. There's a lot of aesthetics to almost all the drinks. But a martini glass, because it's clear, is really apparent when you have fingerprints on it or anything that could 
you know, you, you just got to be really careful, especially when you're using things like rind and stuff like that. Sometimes you may, may have a floater in it. When it's a floater, it's a part of the garnish. You can have a piece of an olive or anything like that. But I'm getting separated again from the the purpose of this, telling you how. So I take it, I chill that glass, and as you've heard in previous episodes, unless they ask for vermouth, I don't put any vermouth in it. I know, sacrilegious. Sacrilegious. Now people at the barn, they need to see it and stuff, I'll splash it in the glass and swirl around and throw it out. But it is virtually no one out there with the taste buds sensitive enough to know the difference between having vermouth. And vermouth, in my estimation, is the worst part of a martini is the worst part of the martini. So if someone's asking for a Grey Goose, Kettle One, Pravda, anything, you know, any high end, I don't like using that. But it's the quality of the the thing I do afterwards, which is just shake, and I shake it. I shake it. Get it extra cold, because that seems to be the predominantly what they want. Now, the times when people say, I'd like to have it stirred, I will stir it. I will take that and stir it for at least 10, 15 seconds, the same as I shake. About 10 seconds. And you decant it. Anytime you pour, you can go pour or decant into the chilled martini glass and garnish it with an olive or a twist if they ask. Sometimes they don't want anything. Otherwise, the best way if you're ordering something and you don't like vermouth or anything is to ask for a martini pour of vodka. Right? A martini pour, not a vodka martini. Because then they'll put the amount of vodka in it that they put in a martini. Because there's virtually no vermouth in it. Okay, I'd like to thank you. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Key Largo Chocolates. Once again, if you want to check them out, check them out at www.keylargochocolates.com. This is Jim the Keys Bartender. I will be back again sometime in the future.